Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. You're about to listen to episode 82 of Only Three Lads, where we discuss our top five rap and hip-hop albums from the O3L era with special guest DC the Brain Supreme from Tag Team. Be sure to check out our special bonus episode with a lot more of our conversation with DC. And I tell you, it was a motivational, educational, and awe-inspiring time with him. If it's your first time joining us, Only Three Lads is a music commentary podcast, and any music clips presented herein are for review, examination, or news reporting under fair use provisions. All rights and respect goes to the artists we love and their copyright holders. So now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Only Three Lads. Yeah, boy! Welcome to another episode of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music. And this week, we're doing something a little bit different. I am Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the Rockter. We have Brett Varga with us this week. Also, as always, hello, party people. Party people. Party people. <laughs> I got to tell you, I am so, so excited for this week. So we promised last week an O3L like no other and betcha by golly, wow, that is exactly what you're going to get this week. We're going to talk about our top five rap and hip hop albums. I love hip hop. Curtis Blow's Kingdom Blow. That was my first record. He's still one of my favorite rappers to this day. But I'm also excited because I recognize that listeners to a show dedicated to classic alternative music may not necessarily be exposed to a lot of hip hop. So I kind of approach my list from an alternative lens this week, but I brought some records that I'm really thrilled to share. The toughest part for me, honestly, was having to break to my uh, 11 year old daughter that Vanilla Ice did not make my list because <laughs> I think she's like the, uh, the one 11 year old in 2021 who is obsessed with Robbie Van Winkle. So joining us this week, we have a hip hop legend who with his musical partner, Steve Rowland, made up Tag Team, the duo responsible for one of the most enduring party starters of all time. Of course, Woomp, there it is. Admit it, you know every Woomp, you know every Chakalaka. But not only that, but Tag Team is truly back again as the surprise comeback story of 2021 with their Geico commercial. You know it's your favorite. Scoop, there it is. So it is our pleasure to welcome from Tag Team, DC the brain supreme to only three lads. Yay! Welcome. <laughs> How y'all doing this morning or this afternoon oh, or this evening? It's, it's it morning is. here. We're on the West Coast. so Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? It's morning for me all the time. It feels like <laughs> running around well, here so I mean, tired. Yeah. The first question is, how surreal has this past year been for you? It's funny because I kind of take issue with comeback because Sorry. this is not that story. And I don't take issue with it in a bad way. I just take I just have to set the record straight because we have been grinding and putting in work for 28 years. And we've been able to sustain a very nice lifestyle on one record. And that takes effort. Right. To me, this is a story of steadfastness, not quitting, overcoming tenaciousness and just learning and taking advantage of every little morsel that comes your way. Not expecting people to do things for you, but creating your own opportunities to thrive. Am I happy that it happened last year? Of course. But (laughs) there are things that led to that. I mean, we've been doing shows the whole time. Every year there's a commercial. There's Walmart. There's, I mean, I have a list of commercials that the song has been in. So every time that pops up, that just extends it even more. Or every movie that it's in, that just extends it even more. The day I knew that we had a forever hit record and the record would be forever evergreen was I'm sitting in a movie theater and I'm looking at Will Ferrell dance on a table to whoop there it is in Elf, right? Wow. And it was bittersweet because 
half of me was pissed off because nobody told me because we were in the middle of a legal battle that lasted 20 years. And I had to find out that way. But the other half, I don't deal with the glass half empty. I deal with the glass half full. And for me, the glass half full is, that's a forever hit record because it's a hit movie with our song in it that will be played every year over and over and over and over again forever. It all boils down to hustle. And one of my phrases I coined, learn how to learn. And that's what I've done, right? And I've done that for all my life. And that is why I'm successful. And that is why I will continue to be successful because you really haven't seen anything yet compared to what I'm about to do. Did you know right away that you had a hit on your hands? Hell yeah. Not when I wrote it. I'm going to take you back to the beginning. I met Steve in high school, 11th grade. Both our last names began with a G, so we sat together in homeroom. Right. So that's how it became friends. Steve had a band that would play in the quad during lunch hour sometimes. And I had to be in that band. So I begged him for months to be in that band. It was like, nah, get away from me, kid. Right. <laughs> and then I worked in the truancy office passing out slips. And there's the choir was down the hall. and I used to hear that music and I wanted to sing. For some reason, that choir got to me musically. Also, that 11th grade year, I went to my first high school dance where I first saw two turntables, a mixer, and a DJ scratching records, and I had to be a DJ. And then I became masterful at all three, because I got in a band, I got in a choir, and I learned how to DJ. And that was the trajectory that my life was set upon. Got better at DJing in college, started making uh, records, because I got a Tascam four track, for those who don't know what a four track is, it is an apparatus that holds, it's almost like having a box with garage band in it and you got four <laughs> tracks to make a song, right? And you use a cassette tape, which is uh, this little plastic apparatus that you put in a box that plays music. And if you break it, then you got to use a pencil to fix, uh, it, fix it. You fix oh. it and then use tape, right? And like, I have to explain times. that, <laughs> right? So <laughs> during this time, Stephen moved to Atlanta to go to the Art Institute. And I came down here and visited him. And I knew that day that I was going to move to Atlanta. So after I finished school, Packed up everything, moved to Atlanta. I started working at this club called Magic City, and I ended up being the head DJ. We partied. I get to test my own songs. I get to do all these things. And I realized that we were never going to get out of the Southeast because back then there was only two hubs for record companies, which was L.A. and New York. And we were down South, but you can't get out of down South unless you make booty shake or bass music. So I went to Steve. I was like, hey, man, we got to make a tempo record. He was like, man, I love bass, but it's hard for me to make that stuff. I was like, no, there's a way we can do it. I said, don't think bass music has. They do it. Do it your way and channel the essence of hip hop. Because to me, the essence of hip hop starts with Planet Rock. Absolutely. I know that there was Rapper's Delight and all the stuff before that, but Planet Rock started the B-Boy generation, started breakdancing, started all the dance stuff, right? Because Planet Rock could be played across genres. So that's why I felt that channel that, Egyptian Lover on the West Coast was like that. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dre was like that. That's how hip-hop started in, in L.A. You know what I mean? It was all up-tempo hey, stuff because they used to go to the skating rinks. And people would love to skate to the up-tempo stuff. And then you had the freestyle movement in Miami. You had the freestyle movement in the Bay Area. And yep. I know this because when I was a DJ in Sacramento, I ordered records from all over the country. So I got all the white labels from New York and all the boroughs. I got all the white labels from L.A. I got all the freestyle stuff from from Florida and the Bay Area. So I'm well versed at what's going on in the country. Steve bought me the beat. I was working on a record called Wound. There it is. And it was amongst many records that I was working on, you know, songs that I was writing. You know, we made the record. People think it was this big Manhattan project. You know, we had lab coats on and you know, using a whiteboard <laughs> and coming up with theorems and all kind of crap when it was just about men chasing beautiful women on a Friday night. Hey, classic formula. That is the same story that, that goes across blues, rock and roll, country, soul music, right? It's the narrative. Yeah. We finished the record on, I think it was on a Thursday in 1992, and I go to work and I pop it in. And to this day, it is one of the biggest... It is the biggest response on any record that I've ever played, and I've been DJing for 30 years. So fast forward, I played it again later on because I had stopped playing it because of my hubris. I thought every record was going to be a hit record. So I kind of shelved it. 
And I played it again because this girl wanted to hear it. And one of the record reps was in the audience because back then it was only two hubs, right? But then they had regions that they would service. So Atlanta was a big region or the Southeast region. So Atlanta was the hub for, it was the sub hub. And all the reps would service radio. They would service uh, the record pools and they would service the DJs. So I played it again. And one of my record reps, Alan Cole, was in the house. And he was like, what is that? And I was like, hey, man, that's my new record. He was like, man, give me that. Give it here, man. I'm going to New York this week. I got to let them hear this. And he went to New York. Two days later, I get a call from Columbia Records. And I'm like, this could work for every record company. So now, now I'm licking my chops, right? And I give it to everybody, but everybody's dragging their feet. We love it, but we don't know what to do. We want to develop you for six months to a year. And I was like, I ain't got time for that. I got a hit record. (laughs) I'm telling you, I got a hit record. You know we got a hit record. (laughs) Drop a single, and then we do the rest later. Yeah. And nobody bit. And I almost gave up. This young lady named Lisa McCall worked for Mercury Records said, you need to talk to Al Bell. He put out Daisy Dukes last year, and it went gold. And I was like, really? For those who don't know who Al Bell is, in the beginning of Soul Music, there were three record companies. The three original is uh, Philly International, Motown, Stax Records. Al Bell yeah. on Stax Records. I called him. He called me back in two weeks. And he was like, Mr. Glenn. And I was like, Mr. Bell, let me tell you something. I got a hit record. I done tested. I'm in the hottest club in the country. Everybody loves it down here. You have got to sign us. And he was like, okay. I was like, no, 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 no. Don't play with me. You ain't even heard the record. <laughs> and I'll never forget these words he said to me. He said, brother, I don't have to hear the record. I hear it in your spirit. Let's agree to agree and get this thing moving. I gave my two weeks in Magic City, signed a messed up record contract, and in a <laughs> month and a half, we, all do. we were platinum, and the rest is history. That's what I love about the story, is that you basically put in your two weeks notice, and then 45 days later, your life was completely changed, and that can happen for anybody, but that is so cool. A month and a half later, your life was changed, and you were making your dreams happen because you are making your own luck. We were a 10-year Overnight success. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> DC, I work in radio, and that's what you hear all the time. It's like, uh, wow, you've been doing this for 10 years. But where did you come from? I've always been grinding. You know, it's just the way it works. As far as the record contract goes, everybody signs their first record contract, and it's not ideal. I've never been bitter about that. I always, you know, it irritates me sometimes, and sometimes it stings. But if you spend your life reacting to something that you had no control over, really, you just are not going to get to the next best thing. That's one of those trauma events where I said, you know what, this will never happen to me again. All the while, I have never stopped being a connoisseur of hip hop or any type of music because I'm a first and foremost forever, I am a DJ. So therefore, going back to what we started off with, when you talk about albums and when you talk about alternative you know, music or whatever, I've listened to all of it. And when it comes to albums, those albums are, I don't want to say soundtracks to our lives because that's what everybody else says, but you remember where you were at when you sat and you listened to Run DMC's second album when me and Steve were sitting in his VW Bug in a snowstorm outside <laughs> with, the, with the heat coming off the exhaust and the bug, listening to Run <laughs> DMC going, good God, what is this? King of Rock. That was it. I remember we did the same thing with LL Cool J. LL's first album was kind of- Radio. Yeah, radio. Radio was just, oh my God. Yeah, so after that, of course, The Chronic. To me, a good album as a DJ, you play every song off the album. Those are albums that you can play every song off the album, or at least seven in rotation all the time. Really my number one album of all time for me, Young Jeezy, Duck Motivation 101. Really? One I have not heard. Because- In Atlanta at that time, it was raw, it was real, and his analogies, his metaphors, and his story of rags to riches, everybody watched it. And the fever that it bought to the Southeast and it bought to that type of music, that trap music, I had never seen anything like it as a DJ. So that for me is is it. Now, if I lived in New York, it'd probably be different, but I live down South, and that, that's the album I still listen to today faithfully people ask me all the time what you think about this new generation's hip-hop like i don't neither should you because it's theirs let them do what they want to with it i have these uh debates with old school heads all the time they're like man 
don't you hate what they're doing to hip hop? Don't you wish we can go back to the nineties? I'm like, no, that was our time. This right, is right. their time. I said, all you doing is looking old and bitter. Notice how I say old and bitter a lot because that's two choices. <laughs> you can either adapt or you could be old and bitter. That's only those are the only options you have. Man, they should pay homage to us. They should pay homage to us, and they should give us. I'm like, first of all. They probably don't even know what pay homage means, nor would they know how to get in touch with us to pay homage, nor should they have to, nor why would they? I said, yeah. okay, let me ask you this. Back in the 90s, were we paying homage to Chubby Checker and Fats Domino and, you know, Otis Redding? No, because we did hip hop. It was your own thing. Yeah. It, was our, it was our own thing. And I'm sure there were a couple people that hated what we did. You know, that's why you got pastors, ro- you know, rolling over Rap CDs with with uh, steamrollers, mm-hmm. right? What what is that? You forgot about that? Hip hop is for everybody. Nobody has a patent on hip hop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And even the people who can say can actually say they do understand that these kids is making money doing what they do. And it had to keep evolving and keep changing. I mean, now yeah, hip hop has been a pretty dominant force in pop culture for forty years. Which is amazing. I mean, just like rock and roll, it had to continue to grow. Exactly. And think about it. Rock and roll is only three decades earlier than hip hop. Mm-hmm. The 50s to the what? The 80s. Yeah. Right. So that is a whole nother thing. DC, I am a Geico customer. And so with your scoop, there it is. How did that happen? I get a call September 2020 from my acting agent. DC, you just booked a Geico commercial. I'm like, Lena, don't play with me. <laughs> I didn't even audition for a Geico commercial. We in a pandemic, everything. That's not funny. She's like, DC, no. They wanted tag team. I was like, oh, tag team. I go check the tag team line. Oh, there is a message. Geico called. Want you in the commercial. Which in the beginning was called Soup. There it is. I'm like, man. But as an actor, I prepare. As a life, a life person, a life connoisseur, I prepare for everything so I said, all right let me flip through these uh seinfeld episodes and find the soup nazi episode so i can get some ideas <laughs> and they're like nah we're gonna do we're gonna do a uh, scoop ice cream and i was like oh that's perfect genius because my father used to make ice cream for us i wanted to bring that essence to that commercial i used to work at a place called dolly madison ice cream when i was like 14 years old so i know ice cream inside out and i was like all these experiences, I want to go into this with 10 things that I can do because I prepare. Night before, I go to the director and the producer at our fitting, and I'm like, yo, I got some ideas. They're like, whatever you want to do, DC. I was like, well, I was trying to get a spinning scoop done, but couldn't get it made. It's like, it'll be done tomorrow. I'm like, whoa. It's like, well, I know kids wow. love sprinkles, so I got these sprinkle things. When we were like, like Salt Bay was hot then, you know, just LeBron James powder throw, all that stuff. I want to do that, but do it with sprinkles. DC, we'll have a truckload of sprinkles there for you. And everything I wanted, they did. We could've, they could have shot five Geico commercials with it. Show up the next day, we had a ball. Everybody did their thing. They cast it perfectly. When, people get a, when, when you get a Geico commercial, that is a career reinvigorator. I will call it that. Sure. We just sec- did our second Geico commercial, and Geico gave us an ice cream. Hey. <laughs> Tag team ice cream. Geico ain't never done that. Geico ain't never let no rapper have two commercials. See, it goes back to when you get an opportunity, you have to let people know that they picked the right one. Now you get people telling you, man, that's the greatest commercial of all time. That's my favorite commercial. That's this, that's that. I get emails every day of what this commercial means to people, what this commercial means to people who are going through hard times, people who are about to die, people who got cancer. And every time they see this commercial, it brings a smile to their face and makes their life a little bit easier. And that's what we need right now more than anything. And it's become a cultural touchstone. I've been blessed with the ability to do that. I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off. When I want to learn something, I learn it. Hey, it's going down. And the future is always going to be bright. And it all goes back to hip hop. It all goes back to the beginning. Excellent. In the beginning of hip hop, there was one question. Can you rock a party? Can you move a crowd? And that's how I live my life. And you put experience with the knowledge that you keep acquiring over the years, man, there's nothing you can't do. And that's what I tell people. That's my message. So I appreciate y'all having me on here today because y'all made me better just by letting me run my mouth. That's great. Thanks, man. No, 
I could listen to you all day. Yeah, I know, DC, you are the official mentor of the Only Three Lads podcast now. And I think your book should be called Learn How to Learn or Can You Rock a Party? Can You Move a Crowd? It's simple when you break it down. But, you know, once you figure out what you want to do, then you got to put it into work. Yeah. A lot of people can't go there. So A lot of people have the ideas. It's the execution that gets bumpy and it's like too hard. Let's do something else. Exactly. But hey, man, I got these people buzzing me trying to make a deal. I think I have to go. Y'all got what y'all need? Okay, man. No, that's, yeah, that's we are great. Good. We're going to uh, carry on and talk about our top five rap and hip hop albums. If you need anything else, man, just hit me up. Let me know. All right. We really appreciate you. Take care, man. Thank you for having me. I'm looking for your book, DC. <laughs> you funny. <laughs> wow. I was wow. Just, yeah, I I was writing stuff down. Greg, you're a dick. Greg, you don't work hard. Greg, you know, uh, but you know, adapt or be old and bitter. Boy, I'm right there. That hit. Oh, and then learning about the SEO is exactly correct. Yes. Why be at the bottom of the page when you could be at the top? Absolutely. That's why we listen to hip hop. Oh, look at this. I'm already flowing. Um, wow, that was really incredible, really insightful. Yeah. And a guy who yeah. actually, you know, like you hear it all the time. People say, you know, if you do one thing one way, that's how you do the rest of the things. And I'd say that to Ken and my son all the time, that it's life is about preparation. Do you want to run through the door or do you want to stumble through the door of opportunity when it opens? Everything's about preparation. When you go to school, it's preparation. When you learn how to do things, it's preparation. So, wow, I was really impressed with everything he was saying. He is the brain supreme. I was wondering when we were going to get to our list, but maybe he didn't well, have one. He, but if he just wanted to talk, it worked for he me. He shared some of his favorite albums. Uh, Young Jeezy is his number one. And that's an album I haven't heard before. So I'm going to have to listen to it. When we first started doing this and we were going to talk about hip hop, I'm like, hip hop? I don't know anything about hip hop. And then there is alternative hip hop. So I said, okay, well, let me look in there. And all of a sudden, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, I totally listened to that. I listened to that just the other day. And I don't know so much albums, but songs. But then there was were some albums that I do listen to and uh, am just mesmerized by. Of course, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I probably didn't connect because I wasn't listening to the storytelling. I wanted to, you know, shake my booty and how do I move the dance floor or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I was more of a, a party place. But then when you come back and you listen to some of the storytelling, you see life through the lens of other people with rap a lot of times, a lot of the good rap. You know, like uh, you got like NWA when Ferguson was going on. Myself and this guy I work with named Rob Hunter, he's a big time rap guy out of Boston. So I remember when everyone's like, well, where did all this come from? All these young people are burning down everything. And it's like, didn't you listen to NWA, you know, back in 88, you know, F the police, Boys in the Hood, all that stuff. They were just rapping what they knew. Rap, and I'll talk about this during one of my choices, is an incredible time capsule. Yeah, like the climate of the era. Whenever yeah. they made that, it, it, they really plugged into something. Yeah. And even if it wasn't your life or your neighborhood, it was theirs. And so you kind of get another perspective. Well, I wanted to have uh, get a chance to tell DC to kind of shine a spotlight on tag teams, other music, because, you know, when you have a hit as ubiquitous and massive as whoop, there it is, it tends to obscure some of the other music. They actually have an album out 1995 called audio entertainment, which is really good. And there's some songs on there that should have been as big as whoop. There's songs like side to side. Do you dance? OEO funky situation. Check these out. I think a lot of people will be surprised. You know, it's really cool that they're having this, uh, what did DC call it, a, a reinvigoration? Mm -hmm. Not a comeback. I'm sorry, bad choice of words, but a reinvigoration. Hopefully it gets our music back in print and people listening again. Awesome. Well, you ready to get into our list? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, I will go first, uh, kicking off my list of the top five alternative hip-hop rap albums is one that my little brother introduced me to. Uh, it was all over MTV, um, you know, this this group and this album, really at no fault of their own, was really kind of a bridge, you know, kind of like a pop rap crossover bridge to bring into the world Paisley's favorite Vanilla Ice. Maybe not her favorite, <laughs> but uh, it was that whole pop rap crossover stuff. MC Search, Pete Nice, DJ Richie Rich, a.k.a. Third Base, they released the Cactus album in 1989, The Gas Face, Brooklyn Queens, Step Into the AM, all songs that I still pump through my speakers now and again. 
but uh, third base's Afrocentric ethos helped them gain street cred at the time. And the Cactus album, uh, named by Rhapsody as one of the 10 best albums by white rappers. But it's number five on my list this week of my little hip hop list. Yeah, I do that. Good choice. Third base. Third base. Somewhere I never got to. <laughs> You got two kids. You got you got a little further, at least twice. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right. Well, my number five album is the 1988 debut by one of the most unique eccentric crews of the era, representing the Bronx. It's Ultramagnetic MCs and their album Critical Beatdown. Led by producer Sed G and one of the most brilliantly twisted and original MCs of all time, Cool Keith, this record is a nonstop barrage of chopped up funk samples, heavy beats, and genius wordplay. They rap about things that nobody else was rapping about in 1988. Sci-fi nerd stuff that Keith later built his solo career upon. Still, a lot of the rhymes are firmly in the old school tradition of boasting, but they know that they're cut from a different cloth as cool Keith slams his peers in ego tripping. They use the simple back and forth, the same old rhythm that a baby can pick up and join right with them. That's a good line. Keith's flow is raw and his timing is as impeccable as a great stand-up comedian. He does this thing where it's like a line break in a sentence. He has this flair for leaving a thought suspended in the air at the end of a bar so he can return to it and deliver the punchline in the next. To wit, this line in the opening track, Watch Me Now. South and west, not east at an angle. But mine's dango, where's the kango? It seems weird, your head is triangle. Like a mango, something I snack on. A soft duck, something I smack on. Every day, when I come outside, you step back. A soft duck, something I smack on. A soft duck? Uh, what? It's crazy. He's just not right in the head, and you wonder just what's going on in that big, brilliant, beautiful brain of his. This one is track after track of off-kilter, stream-of-consciousness classics, traveling at the speed of thought, funky, give the drummer some, the title track. Some of the production may actually sound a little quaint by today's standards, but make no mistake, this album was ahead of its time, and the whack MCs that the Ultramagnetics were called to Earth to defend against are still trying to catch up today. That's my number five, Ultramagnetic MCs. Critical beatdown. This is all going to be homework for me because a lot of this stuff I may not have heard or I don't remember, but definitely um, I, I'm going through the research this week and finding my favorite rap albums really took me to areas where I've never been before and realizing there's a lot of stuff I still have to listen to. Yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Big time rabbit hole. All right, landing in the number four spot on my list of the top five alternative hip-hop rap albums is another early 90s NYC jazz hip-hop masterpiece, 1993's Midnight Marauders from A Tribe Called Quest. Very hook-driven. It was their third album. I mean, the storytelling, uh, the social stance, the snapshot I just was talking about, the climate of that time is this album. And what's great about art, it's really a true recorder of time. It's how someone felt not what the government or the victors want to tell you about it it's what someone felt with their own eyes with their own moods with their own brains it's they tasted it they had the dust on their fingers and that's what art is and this album midnight marauders from a tribe called quest it is that it's art and it's one of the great albums of the native tongue movement q-tip his sound his storytelling one of my favorites of the movement and it's another album, one of those things that, you know, different is good for me. It, this wasn't maybe my life. I didn't understand uh, what people were going through in Brooklyn in 1989, 1990. But we all have the same feelings of hope and despair and sadness and happiness. And you get that all on this album. I was in a frenzy in a horny state, but I couldn't drop down because you couldn't relate. You couldn't relate. You couldn't relate. So number four, A Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. I applaud you, good sir. All right. That is a semi-intelligent choice. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> but only semi. Semi. So it's the band. You have another hmm. Tribe Called Quest album. Interesting. All right. So my number four, going through my list of about 70 contenders this week, one thing was abundantly clear. 
in the East Coast versus West Coast rap battle that raged on throughout the 80s and 90s, I was definitely in the East Coast camp, which is kind of crazy for a guy who spent his whole life on the West Coast. But an overwhelming majority of my favorite albums came from the birthplace of hip hop as we know it, New York. And I got to let the dog out because he's being annoying. Hang on. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? I did. Okay. While East and West were busy duking it out, the South snuck in and laid the groundwork for hip hop in the 21st century with a sound that was musically grittier, funkier, spacier, and more organic with a greater emphasis on live instrumentation. Groups like Goody Mob, UGK, Yes Tag Team, and the duo behind my number four album, Aquemini by Outkast from 1998. Pitched roughly at the halfway point between their first sides as teenage Dirty South Playas and the pop stars who made Hey Ya and The Way You Move is this thrilling, ambitious, sprawling masterpiece. Taking cues from the futuristic funk of Prime Parliament, the pop weirdness of Prince, and steeped in Southern music history from blues to soul to gangster rap, Outkast crafts a world totally of its own. Andre 3000 spits his verses like a madman visionary, and Big Boy is nearly as rapid fire, but is kind of the, the smooth b-boy. You get the impression that they felt that they could do anything on this album. Strings on Return of the G? Check. A harmonica solo on Rosa Parks? Yep. Get George Clinton to play on Synthesizer? Uh-huh. Spacey psychedelic textures on the artist storytelling? Rock out on Chonky Fire? Check and check. Outkast didn't believe that hip-hop had to be one thing. It could be anything and everything. Susan Screw had a partner named Sasha. I remember her number like the summer When her and Susie, yeah, they threw a slumber Party, but you can't call it that cause it was slumber Well, it was more like spending the night Three in the morning, yawning, dancing under street lights We chilling like a... And it's that valuable lesson that makes Equemini my number four album this week. Great pick. Thank Great you. band. Yeah. Remember Great when band. they did like that album that they each did their own half? Yeah. The Love Below and uh, Speaker Box. Yeah. So look at you. See, that's why you're the rockter. <laughs> that's what I think something. that's what kind of broke them up. Well, it was. I mean, yeah. at, at that point, I mean, they each had their own album, you know, and turned it into a double album. It was not a true collaboration, so which was unfortunate because they were so, so good together. Yeah, that's usually happens because then you see you, it's, it's those outsiders. They get in your ears. You're the one. No, you're the one. Yeah. You are making this band everything. No, you're making this band everything. <laughs> Same thing with Blink-182. You know, Tom was getting all those, you, know, you sing all the big songs. Mark's like, uh, you know, you're the workhorse. Whatever was going on, this is all just made up in my head. But yeah. you know, it's the outside pressures and like people talking to them is what tears these collaborations apart. Right. Happens all the time. Precisely. And of course, as DC was saying earlier, you have to learn to learn. So get over to our Facebook page. Please like it, subscribe. Hit the notification button anytime you see anything from us, if you could please share it, because we are so thrilled by building this community of people. I feel inspired after talking to DC earlier. I feel inspired and dumb all of a sudden. I don't feel dumb. But what I feel is like, <laughs> again, you got to learn to learn. And being dumb is not what you are going to be. Or maybe unambitious. Less ambitious? I don't know. It was just what a fascinating dude. Yeah, no, he definitely, he's like, a, you know, like a, a motivational speaker. Like he was saying all this stuff. He's made all these mistakes and we don't want to see you make the same mistake just cruising through Facebook and not landing on our page and seeing it come up because you might miss a good time. Yeah. So you got to learn to learn. So the only three lads podcast. We're taking a look at our top five rap hip hop albums of our era. So stick around. Number three is up next. You better go get the What's up, party people? This is DC, the brain supreme of tag team. And you're listening to the Only Three Lads podcast. Whoop, there it is. Sprinkle. Shrink, shrink, blinkity blink. Try to make me think. Want to go to my sink and vomit. Clean it up with comet. Thank you for sticking around. It's the O3L podcast. Now, don't forget, tell your friends. They can just go to Google. Put in Only Three Lads podcast. There will be a link. They can listen to us. Or we're on all your favorite podcasting platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, and the iHeartRadio app. Probably any platform that you can think of. And also your smart speaker. Just say, play the Only Three Lads podcast. And some you never imagined.
Yeah, you know, it's weird. So many places where you end up, it's like, wow, I didn't know we were there. Wow, I didn't know we did that. Wow. Just like uh, your wife was saying the other night when we finally were in the same room together. Yes, which was glorious, Greg. Yes, it was wonderful. Phil's barbecue. So nice to give you a big bear hug. It was nice, yes. That was one of my bucket list things for the fall of 2021, and uh, we made it happen. So I'm very, very happy about that. But, you know, she was talking about, you know, what's so cool is that somebody from Portugal went to Spain for a vacation, wore one of the Only Three Lads podcast t-shirts walking down the boardwalk, minding his own business, until someone walked up to him and said, oh, you listen to that podcast. And he points out she was very beautiful. And so she must have been very beautiful. Yes. And so we have beautiful people listening to this podcast too. And then there's people like Brett and myself. (laughs) But they went and they talked about this podcast on a beach in Spain. Like, that's weird, but it's cool. It's just weird. It's like surreal. By association, I like to think that that makes us beautiful. And now that we are in the inner circles of hip hop, you know, that makes us cool too. <laughs> All right. We got street cred is what you're saying. We do. All right. Street cred, the only three lads podcast. It's our community. Finally building that street cred without any gunshot wounds. How about that? Yet. Well, yeah, hopefully never. All right. So at number three on my list of the top hip hop rap albums is one with uh, no naked women, no alcohol, no drugs, just a creative crew out of L.A., now, the far side, I met them backstage, and I think it was New Year's Day, 1994. They were there to open for the offspring, you know, the come out and play, guys. But I remember I'm backstage, and I think I was cutting something. I had scissors in my hand. So I remember cutting something, and then this wall of meat walks up. Obviously, their tour manager, I'm talking Shug Knight-type looking dude, huge, huge dude, just a wall of meat, the only way you can describe them. He walks up and points at the chairs, and the guys in the far side just sit down. It was like they were in boot camp. Like this guy said, boom, 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 boom. They did exactly what this guy said. And I thought, like, are these guys beat? You know, it's like I was worried that, you know, just do, it seemed weird almost to a point, but maybe that's just when they're going backstage. It's like, hey, sit there, you know. But it was very military like, and uh, they didn't give this guy any grief. Uh, and I wouldn't have either. Again, wall of meat. Uh, but they asked if they can borrow that pair of scissors and they had to cut something. And they were very grateful. And then I said, oh, we'll just keep it if you guys got to keep cutting those things. And I just, looking back, they were like, so like, wow, really? We can, oh, wow, thanks, man. And they were, I don't know if they were like trying to mess with me or making a joke or if they really were that happy to get a pair of scissors, maybe to escape from this guy. I have no idea still to this day. Making paper dolls. Maybe. I have no idea. But that's when I started listening to The Far Side. Their album, Bizarre Ride to The Far Side, came into my life. Passing Me By, Yo Mama, For Better or For Worse are the big songs off the album. And I just remember um, the album is just a big recipe for humor, honesty. It's really engaging. Uh, so it lands at my number three, The Far Side, Bizarre Ride 2, The Far Side. All right. That's one I have not, I don't think I've heard. I better check my collection. You should because it's, it's, it's again, obviously I'm into the jazzy hip hop of the yeah. early 90s because that's where yeah. a lot of that stuff comes from. I um, dig a lot of that too. Yeah. So that's Far Side. They got big on the alternative scene in Lollapalooza and stuff and they were always, yeah. and that's how I ran into them, so... Well, and that was that time too, that Lollapalooza early to mid nineties era where you kind of felt like things were starting to to come together more. And I think Lollapalooza probably had a lot to do with that too, because you had alternative and rap acts a lot on the same bill and Well, it's like the festivals in Europe. You're right. Because yeah, here it yeah. was like you just had rock, because here you just had everything the same on the mm-hmm. bill. And then um even in the uh eighties, if you take a look like Anthrax and Public Enemy. Uh, Scott Ian, the guitarist, started playing or wearing Public Enemy t-shirts on stage, and they were on the same le- uh, label. So Chuck D and he met, and then Bring On The Noise, where the new metal kind of was born. Yeah. And then you went from there, and you're exactly right. Lollapalooza kind of mixed up the bill. You might have The Far Side. You might have The Offspring. Then they started going on tours together because they were backstage. We're all pink on the inside. They all talk music, and they all, hey, we're a lot alike. Even though our music's completely different, but everyone was there for the party. It was all party music. 
it was just different genres and then now it's all jumbled together yep the way it should be yep all right well speaking of jazzy hip-hop my number three is the low-end theory by a tribe called quest from 1991 the semi-intelligent semi-intelligent yes this was the second of three straight up five mic classics by tribe bookended by their debut people's instinctive travels and the passive rhythm and the third album as so eloquently stated by my colleague uncle greg midnight marauders the lines toward the beginning of excursions lay out the vibe of the album when q-tip recalls his teenage days you could find the abstract listening to hip-hop my pops used to say it reminded him of bebop the album does indeed remind us of bebop with most of the tracks being built off of minimalistic jazz samples featuring prominent stand-up bass with the low-end theory tribe connects the past to the present to build the hip hop of what, at least at the time, seemed like it would be the future. In your record store, if you get the record, say your thoughts are adored and appreciated. Cause we're ever so glad we made it. We work hard, so we gotta thank God. Dishing out the plastic, do the dance till you're spastic. If you diss, it gets drastic. Listen to the rhyme, cause it's time to make That connection with the past is of paramount importance to the success of the album. Rather than to try to obliterate those who came before, like DC said, I mean, they weren't thinking of, of their heroes, but eh, Tribe tended to pay their respects to the jazz of the past, their cultural heritage, and the other MCs on the native tongue scene. But ultimately, this album works because of the insane chemistry between Q-Tip, otherwise known as the Abstract, and Fife Dog. Listen to the way they play off of each other and check the rhyme. Tip is smooth, laid back, intelligent and positive, and Fife is equally smooth but comes on like a man possessed. Together they form one of the greatest yin and yangs of hip-hop, and this is one of the iconic albums of the genre. And a fun fact for y'all, The Low End Theory was released on September 24th, 1991. Greg, you know what day that was? September 24th? The same day that Nevermind was released, oh, as we well as Blood Sugar Sex Magic. So there you go, what a day. What a day for music. Yeah, really. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? It's a tribe called Quest, and they're amazing. The Low End Theory at number three this week for me. Yeah, I kind of brain farted there. September 24th, I'm like, hmm. And then yeah. you said 1991. I'm thinking 2001, and I'm like, I don't know what happened. 1991, 30 wow. years ago. Wow, isn't that crazy? It is crazy. That album has aged very well. Really, I got to take a listen once again. More homework. Yes. Be driving down the street, windows down. It's in fall. Things are cooling down. Listening oh, to the Tribe Called Quest. That ought to be fun. Can you kick it? Yes, you can, is the answer. <laughs> All right. Landing at number two on my list is one that writers didn't think would go mainstream, but uh, one of the songs on this album still hypnotizes me to this day. Rebirth of Slick. I'm cool like that. I'm cool like that. Of course, Butterfly, Ladybug, Mecca, and Doodlebug make up diggable planets. Now, I always say different is good for me. These three rappers, they had a unique perspective. They were jazz-centric. The storytelling was awesome. It's just something that wasn't in my bubble in that day. And still, when you listen to Rebirth is Slick, it's just a great song, and it's just so cool. The songs on the album's Reaching is the album. Uh, it went gold. tells history of black music. The song Jimmy, Diggin' Cats, they also touch politics. The emphasis of this album, Reaching, is on mood. It always has me thinking, understanding, and seeing life through that different human's lens. But I'm cool like that. 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 I'm cool. And that's why I love Diggable Planets reaching, so I suggest you give it a spin. Oh, please do. And be cool like that. Love that album. Yeah. Cool like that. Dig it. That was an honorable mention for me, but really, all of those albums that came out, not, not just them, but us three, Black Sheep, Brand Nubian, <laughs> another act that may make my list at some point. I just love it all. What was the album after reaching? It was... Hair comb or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I have it somewhere. It, it's something to do with a comb. Blowout comb. That's it. Blowout comb. Because there's some good stuff on that. Yeah. I have to, that's the one that I have to listen to more when I was kind of going back to reaching and listening. And, of course, we always go down rabbit holes when we make these lists. 
And so then I kind of fell into that, and I was like, that album I'm going to have to listen to more of. And then you get into Guru's Jazzamataz, then you get into Us Three's uh, Cantaloupe, and yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. We're already there, almost to our number one rap hip-hop alternative album. Yeah. All right. So my number two album this week is as seminal and pivotal to hip-hop as The Clash's first album was to punk rock. From 1988, it is Public Enemies. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Sure, of course, there had been other albums in the idiom, but nothing quite like this. Uncompromising, unflinching, political. It blew the doors open. It's not a polite record, nor should it be. As Professor Griff says, consider yourself warned. But Public Enemy commands you to pay attention. The Bomb Squad's groundbreaking production creates an assault on your senses like a war zone with air horns, sirens, and those shrill sounds that are similar to a missile whizzing overhead. Chuck D drops knowledge and imparts wisdom with an in-your-face style like a cross between a college professor and a street corner evangelist. Public enemy serving time, they drew the line, y'all. They criticized me for some crime. Nevertheless, they could not understand that I'm a black man and I can never be a veteran. On the streets, the situation's unreal. I got a raw deal, so I'm looking for the steal. And long before he was a reality TV star, Flava Flav set the template for the ultimate hype man, the goofy foil for Chuck's serious and often angry plemicizing with a personality bigger than the grooves could handle. With DJ Terminator X creating a backdrop equal parts funky and aggressive, this album represents the perfect synergy of music and message. It's an album that rocks hard, hits hard, and continues to sting with every listen. Don't believe the hype, bring the noise, she watched Channel Zero, Rebel Without a Pause. This is an hour of chaos that doesn't let up. To borrow from a band who wishes they were public enemy, <laughs> this is true Rage Against the Machine. And actually, I'll revise my statement. It Takes a Nation of Millions isn't just an important turning point in hip hop, it's an important turning point in rock and roll and music in general. It Takes a Nation of Millions blurred boundaries and influenced the way many of us perceived rap music and the way we thought. On one hand, it's a time capsule of the tumultuous time period from which it was created. On the other, it's a still relevant reminder that we've got work to do. So number two, Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Great pick. Again, Thank art. You. Yes. Told you how it was. Genre cannot confine it. It is one of the great albums in music history, from anybody, anywhere, anytime. Now, Brett, you think the O3L community, since we're doing this hip-hop rap albums this week because DC from Tag Team came on, we thought we were gonna, he was going to give his, but instead he gave us, what, what would you call it? I was going to say a lecture. A lot more. Life a lot lessons. More. I, I, I think he gave us a lot more life lessons. Thank you yes. so much. That's why you're the rockter. I feel like a much better person now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's a lot of stuff to learn, and, and but there's a lot of things to learn also in music, and that's what's so great about uh, maybe touching on this subject of hip-hop and rap. A lot of people who haven't heard it in a long time or never heard it may mm -hmm. gain something from it because it's all about human emotion. That's what the early rap. You know, there's also a lot of fun songs like Whoop, There It Is or Crystal, Crystal, and all the, you know, I get all the honeys and look at me. But then there's yeah. some, like, really great storytelling in rap and really great... Again, uh, something touching on the climate of that day. There's a place for the party songs too, right? I oh, mean, there always gotcha. has been from disco to rap, doesn't matter. I mean, sometimes people just want to let loose and dance. And that's where a song like Whoop, There It Is excels. Or, you know, going back to some of the old hip hop, Curtis Blows the Breaks. You know, even if it speaks to maybe the human condition or the state of the world or their little corner of it, a lot of it. You know, in the early days, it was, of course, the streets of New York, but a lot of it was just about having a good time, and that's okay. Yeah, well, that's even a lot of times, you know, a Kumo cool D, Wild Wild mm -hmm. West. Like, that was fun, but he was talking about gang life in his neighborhood. Yeah. And it always takes me back to when uh, DC was talking. I was, I kind of like was thinking about Mark Klein from our friends in Love Tractor. Mm -hmm. When he's talking about uh, make them dance and be different. And that's what a lot of this hip-hop stuff was. It made people dance, even if it was some horrible thing they were talking about. But life goes on, and it was different. And it is the only Three Lads podcast that can connect Love Tractor with hip-hop. This is what we Amazing. do. Amazing. Yes. This is what we do. <laughs> we, 
we we may get uh, institutionalized, and there's going to be uh, rock writers that say, "I don't know what these guys are talking about," mm. but hey, it was bound to happen. If you feel it, you feel it. It's the only Three Lads podcast. We take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. Stick around. Our top album from the rap hip hop alternative world coming up next. I could be happy, and I am. Beloved Scottish New Wave songstress Claire Grogan announced that a new Altered Images album, the first since 1983, will be released in early 2022 and include Bobby Bluebell, former suede guitarist Bernard Butler, and 80s members Johnny McElhone, and Grogan's husband Steve Laroni. The Bangles' Susanna Hoffs returns on November 12, 2021 with an album of covers called Bright Lights. The lead single, a cover of Badfinger's Name of the Game, recorded with Till Tuesday's Amy Mann, is out now. And since this new segment is coincidentally all about the wonderful women of the O3L era, how about this tour? The Ladies of the 80s tour will be making the rounds in late 2021, early 2022, featuring Dale Bazio from Missing Persons, Annabella's Bow Wow Wow, Josie Cotton, and Stacey Q. Sounds like a great night of music. All right, we are back. Thank you, Only Three Lads community, for sticking around this week. Don't forget, you can always fly our colors, as we say, if you go to our Facebook page. A lot of great t-shirts that we have there, Only Three Lads. You never know, you might be wearing it on a beach in Spain, and a very beautiful woman could walk up to you and say, hey, let's talk about that podcast. Yes. And then you could tell us, and we could geek out more on it. But I am Uncle Greg, of course, the Rockter, moral compass, husband, father, Great guy. Finally got to be in the same room with him in the last few days. Brett Fargo. All right. Well, let me give you one of these. I'm, I'm going to try it. Yeah, boy. A uh, little bit. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. I don't know. Right. I um, think it's a good attempt. If we work on it, I think we both can get better. I think I've done better, but I. I yeah, boy. I'm, I'm on the spot right now. <laughs> it happens. Performance anxiety. Maybe. We've all been there. Um, anyhow. <laughs> Always. That's my problem. Um, your first time you heard rap, and what did people and your parents think of rap music probably when you first discovered it, um, probably in the early 90s or early 80s? Let's see. The first time that I consciously like took note of any rap was probably around the same time that a lot of suburban white kids did, which would have been around 1986 with Walk This Way. Yeah. I remember being over at my friend Rick Smolensky's house, and he had uh, MTV on. And the, the whole reason for me being over there, because I don't think I had MTV at the time, was that I wanted to watch the new Monkees video for their song, That Was Then, This Is Now. So I remember that one. Yeah, so I I went to go see the monkeys, and remember seeing the Walk This Way video with Run DMC and Aerosmith, and just going, "What in the heck is this?" It was awesome though. It's yeah, just, and that's really yeah. brought you know Aerosmith kind of uh, they had the reinvigoration of their career with that song. Yep, and that one Raising Hell actually any of the first three Run DMC albums were very close to making my list, but uh, but that one Raising Hell, I mean. That's probably the greatest single side in hip hop music. That side one where I, I'm trying to remember the, the track list, but I think it's like Peter Piper. It's tricky. My Adidas walk this way. It's just like one song after another that is just jaw droppingly amazing. Great album. Rick Rubin. Yeah. He did good work on that one. Probably the first rap song that I can remember was, of course, Blondie Rapture. Oh, yeah. You know, that, yeah. that, that came out, that introduced, and then, of course, in my neighborhood, that introduced a lot of white suburban kids to rap was going to be Beastie Boys' License to Ill. Mm, you know, you and then um, soon, I think that was around 86 also. I do remember Sugar Hill Gang. You know, that was probably, Sugar Hill you know, Gang, yeah. yeah and I'm sure them. I had heard that previously. It, it wasn't anything I really took note of because I was always in my like 60s uh, bubble listening to the Beatles. So And and the monkeys. And the monkeys too. I had I had room in my life for the monkeys. I one little uh, like news snippet since you brought up Rapture, and I don't know if you saw this, Greg, but Blondie unearthed basically the original version of Rapture. 
They're uh, putting together an archival box set that's due for release next year. And the wrap is almost the same, but it's there's some Christmas themes thrown in there. It's called like Yuletide Throwdown. And it was released as a flexi disc um, at the tail end. I guess it probably would have been, I guess, 1980, maybe. Uh, so that has been unearthed. It's been released and remixed as a teaser for the upcoming box set. So check that out if you have not. We are, uh, you know, also heading into the Yule time. So it's nice to have a seasonal Blondie and Fab Five Freddy song. Amen. Well, I did not know that. Yeah. There you so, go. Well, thank you for letting us know. All right. You ready for our number ones? Indeed. All right. Well, my number one alternative hip hop rap album is one that I probably have the most professional and personal relationship with. Ad Rock, Mike D, and MCA picked up their instruments again for this album. Back to their punk roots. You know, they mixed together early hip hop, hardcore, funk, jazz, and just about everything else. And uh, they lit up Lollapalooza in the 90s. So check your head. So what, so what, so what you want? I remember playing that song over and over and over and over again. Uh, I really like this album. Still listen to it a lot. Of course, Paul's Boutique came out before. It wasn't a huge success. Now it's critically acclaimed. Back then, people were like, oh, what happened to the Beastie Boys? Because it wasn't licensed still. Exactly. So Check Your Head came out after that, and it put them back into the stratosphere. that of course we know they had more great albums and then people went back to paul's boutique and go oh wait a second this is something special and so um that's why i just uh picked check your head beastie boys no other reason but because i know it so well played it so much it's got to be my number one check your head i thought you were gonna go with license till you know it came close but i think check your head um again the more professional relationship with license till was everywhere every kid mtv Fight for your right, you know, all those videos. That was huge, huge. But then to like really be older and then to get that CD check your head and then, you know, playing it and yeah. um, you know, then after that sabotage and all those songs and they were just staples on alternative radio for years and years after that. Very cool. All right. Well, number one for me was very easy. It was like a big old softball lobbed out there. Even though I had a tough time narrowing down the rest of it. I knew what my number one was going to be from the beginning uh, because it is my favorite album ice, by my favorite hip hop artist. Yeah, Ice Ice Baby. That's that's exactly it. To the extreme. Yeah, I rock, rock the, the mic, mic like, like, like a, a vandal. It's, it's also one that I consider to be amongst the greatest albums of any era, any genre, just like Public Enemy. So from 1989, my number one is De La Soul's three feet high and rising great it was clear that this was not your typical 1989 hip-hop record even visually so while the trend was to look as hard as possible on the front of an album pasta news trugoy and maceo thoughtfully peered out of the album cover with their angular haircuts looking like studious college kids with a dayglow overlay of bright colors and cartoon flowers yes folks this was the self-proclaimed Daisy Age, the inner sound, y'all. The music contained therein was similarly, similarly vibrant, I can say that. At every turn, it's innovative, funny, thought-provoking, and playful, even when they're tackling tough subjects like teenage mothers, drug use, and safe sex. They tackle the grittiness of life with an unerring positivity and perspective way beyond their years, especially when you consider that these three young men were between 18 and 20 years old when the album was released in March 1989. But it's also important to note that their youth also gives Three Feet High and Rising an exuberance and sophomoric sense of humor right down to the skits that are interspersed throughout the album, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, this may have been the first hip-hop album to do that, at least to that degree. And all due respect to producer Prince Paul for shaping the record. The album contains over 60 samples that read like a crate digger's dream and go way beyond the usual funky drummer and impeach the president. It's true. true. Now it's time to let this rhyme style get somewhat poured in the mold. Hold my hand and we'll pick my plantation of daisies for a bouquet of soul. at the cut of a rim. Part of the brilliance of the album is that the Turtles, the Monkeys, Steely Dan, and Hall and & Oates 
can rub elbows with Funkadelic, The New Birth, and Ohio players to weave this kaleidoscopic sonic tapestry. The Village Voice called it the Sgt. Pepper of hip-hop, and I'm inclined to agree. I don't think that's a stretch at all. No matter how many times I spin it, I am astounded, and it just has me smiling from ear to ear. So three may be the magic number, but it's number one for me this week. De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising. I remember that album, Me, Myself, and I, mm, and yes. all those songs that came off that. Plus, they were so different, because you were right. Everybody was so hard, or, and these guys came on, and there was a much more intelligent take, but they still tackled the real tough issues that really they were witnessed yeah. around them at all times. And yeah. uh, what a great different De La Soul band that whole thing was. Absolutely. And you know, I'm stubborn and I usually only allow, you know, a band to have uh, one entry on my list, but their second album, De La Soul is Dead, is another masterpiece, came close, balloon mind state, stakes is high. I, I love everything De La's put out. Yeah, I had a really hard time this week leaving NWA's uh, Straight out of Compton. I yeah. still listen to a lot of songs off that all the time, um, but I don't know. I just, if I'm going to think of hip hop or rap, I do love that album, but I think I like the story t and the storytelling in that is awesome too. It's just, I don't know why yeah. I just picked the other ones that I picked. It is. And you know, my virgin ears, sometimes I have a tough time getting through all of straight out of Compton because it's just, I mean, it's, it's so hard at all times. <laughs> And I listen, and I'm like, uh, I need to take a break. But that is a great album. A couple others that I had, uh, Nazilmatic, I think one of the greatest hip hop records of all time, Black Star, and then Boogie Down Productions, Criminal Minded. Oh, and LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out. I love Mama Said Knock You Out. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, if you ever hear um, Five Finger Death Punch did a version of Mama Said Knock You Out, if you're into the heavy stuff. that I'm yeah. not. You are not. <laughs> but but that record rocks hard. And it reminded me of when I made the faux pas of calling Tag Team's commercial a comeback. A reinvigoration. I, I, I thought in my head of LL Cool J, don't call it a comeback. Yeah. I've been here for years. You know, so on and so forth. Putting something, my, the suckers in fear. Yeah, so putting suckers in fear. Definitely. Yeah. I put suckers in fear. You do. You do. For sure. Yes. Now you're talking about being too hard. We were talking earlier how Brett and I, we finally have been in the same room. We uh, broke bread together, or broke barbecue together, really. Uh, Phil's Barbecue there in San Diego. It's delish. And uh, it was wonderful. It was great to finally be in the same room as Brett, my brother. And um, I don't know where I was going this, but there was somewhere I was going. And um, no, but well, we were talking about hard music and how, uh, you know, NWA is a little too tough. So my son, who is 16, tells Brett about <laughs> Cupcake, and he gives yeah. him a playlist. Cupcake. And he's yes. been bugging me for days. So what did Brett say about Cupcake? And so um, you've listened to some Cupcake songs. And if you don't know who this person is, she's, I believe, an Instagram type influencer uh, who has done parody songs. And talk about hardcore. What mm. do you think of Cupcake? Well, I, as I wrote in a text to you, um, I felt like every <laughs> after every couple of songs, I had to take a shower. It's kind of like the same thing with NWA where, you, you know, you have to take a break just to let your, your ears and your mind rest after being uh well it's you know, like your nervous system barrage. It, it, yeah yeah i listened to the marge simpson song mm -hmm. uh, it was an interesting take on marge simpson for sure <laughs> and then uh sour milk <laughs> yeah okay so if you go and listen to cupcake it's spelled mm -hmm. with two k's and just don't do it around young impressionable ears or impressionable ears of any anybody age. really okay yeah or anybody just listen to it <laughs> Listen to it by yourself. <laughs> so people in don't a, think ill of you? Yeah, in a dark room. All right. Well, <laughs> here, here's my list of my picks this week for the top rap hip-hop albums. At number five, Third Base, The Cactus Album. Number four, A Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. Number three, Far Side, Bizarre Ride 2, The Far Side, Diggable Planets, Reaching. And at number one, Beastie Boys, check your head. Fun. All right. My top five, number five, Ultramagnetic MCs, Critical Beatdown. Number four, Outcast, Aquemini. Number three, A Tribe Called Quest, The Low End Theory. Number two, Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. And number one, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising. All right. Things I learned with this week's podcast. I listened to a lot more hip hop rap than I thought, and I knew yep. a little bit more about it. And I am way behind and need to get caught up. Uh, also learned to learn and to uh, I had a great time with DC. I'm glad he got a hold of us and came on too. What a thrill. 
And I can't wait to see what's coming up next for him because uh, what an inspirational guy. Man, there is nothing that the guy cannot do. Acting, DJing, rapping, commodity, brokering, PR. It is truly inspirational. You know, I said I felt dumb. I don't feel dumb, but I do feel like that's the attitude that everybody should take. Yeah. Right. Be able to do everything. And if you don't know how to do something, learn about it. Learn how to learn. Amen. And you forgot paralegal. And paralegal. There you go. Sorry. Sorry, DC. Yeah. Don't want to take anything from that guy. But you're a learn to learn guy. Look how much you know. You could totally bury him in music knowledge. Ooh, I, I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe not hip hop. Not hip hop. But I bet you, though, in a lot of genres, you were rattling off stuff when you were talking to him and going deeper into the rabbit hole than when he was jumping in. There was a few yeah. times there. I noticed Yeah. That. I am going to check out that Young Jeezy album, though, on his recommendation. I think we all should. Yeah. Good idea. All right. Well, that's the end of this one. Is there anything else that we need to say before we leave? You want to randomize? We should probably do that. Yeah, good idea. Let's randomize. Hey, why don't we keep in continuity what we do every week, Uncle Greg, and we'll do the randomizer <laughs> to find out what we're talking about next week. It's all right. You know, idea. this is a mixed up episode. This is <laughs> unlike anything we have ever done. So, hey, whatever. Anything goes. Yo. Okay. Stop. Yeah, boy. All right. Next week, how about our top five instrumental songs? Oh, I already got one in my head. This is like the opposite. So this week, hip hop, it's kind of all about the words. Mm -hmm. Next week, it's about saying a lot without any words. Amen. All right. (laughs) I already know one that's probably more than likely going to hit my list. Lovely. And I'm going to have to listen to it right now because I'm getting the jitters thinking, oh, I got to hear that. I haven't heard that for a while. I'm going to listen to some more hip hop. Yeah, me too. Diggable Planets. I'm going to dive more into them. Yeah. That's what I got to do. That's how we roll. All right. right. Now, is there anything we need to say before we get out of here? I can say that uh, O3L is back again. Whoop, here we are. (laughs) And a huge thank you to our special guest this week, DC Glenn, Cecil Glenn, DC the Brain Supreme from Tag Team, star of Song and Screen, and man, just a motivational guy. It was like a TED Talk in an O3L episode. And until next week, we will say hello and wave goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.